find the video file to share. We are live. Can you believe I put this up on my MacBook Pro just now? This is the MacBook. You look fabulous. Yeah, thank you. I had an audition and they were like, can you audition in an hour and you have to be in full makeup? Absolutely. And I was in running clothes. So you just did it. Yeah. Just like, like your shirt said. Yeah. Hey, I got the intro ready. Oh, okay. In a world of divisiveness, we bring you diversity. In a world of hate, we bring you love. In a world of fear, we inspire you to live. And now, laughing, loving, and alive with your hosts, Rain Thomas, Elmer J. Howard, and Dr. Kevin. Hello, hello, hello. I am Dr. Who. I am Frosty the Snowman. My name is Morgana. I am a goddess. You should all be worshiping me. Identity theft. Identity theft. <laughs> so and we have we have Charlene Borja, or Borja Grindley. Yeah. Oh, saying hi. hi. Oh, yeah, I actually, I forgot. I can, I can put it, I can put it up on the screen. Hi, Char, and she's laughing. <laughs> Probably because I, I, I butchered her name. So we've, we've actually had more than two weeks. You put it in the private chat. Yeah, it's right? us. I know. It's yeah, but us. but she can't see it. Oh, no, it wasn't for her. It was for you and Dr. Kevin. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, hi. Oh, and <laughs> Char is uh, Cinderella. Yes, she is. <laughs> so it's been, it's been longer than usual. For the first time in um, our existence, we took a session off. And we didn't have one two weeks ago, three weeks ago, whatever it was. Um, two weeks ago. It was the first, would have been the, wait. Is this this would this be the second one or the first? No, this I'm all confused. This I don't is know the second is. one in November. This is the second let's try one. Try to in focus in. Yeah, doctor, doctor, doctor. Who? Let's but it's only. Well, see, you know, everything is. It's all timely. You know, you know, it's all you know, wibbly wobbly, and you know, so. wibbly wobbly. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so it's been a month. Yes, at least. I I, I want to find out. This is so. the second. This is the second, this is only the second, right? Not the fourth. So we were missed one in October. Mm -hmm. There we go. Because I was in West Virginia performing. And we had no guests and Dr. Kevin and I figured we wouldn't subject the audience to him and I bantering for an hour. Well, the funny thing is, I think we had a guest and when Rain figured out that she couldn't do the show. She stole the guest, moved him forward, leaving us without a guest. If I remember correctly, that that's what happened. And suddenly it's like, well, if you can find a guest at the last minute, ha ha, you can have a <laughs> Well, I knew I was performing and I didn't know what time. And then by the time, then I screwed up my plane ticket. And that was because I, I was looking quickly and doing too many things at once. And I thought I was performing on Sunday and I was actually performing on Monday, but I had all this PR stuff on Sunday. And so by the time I figured it all out, I, I had screwed it all up, but here I am ready to rock and roll. So how has your last month been Ms. Rain? It's been and fabulous. Did you get any, I, and did any, you get surprises? any surprises in the mail? I did. So, I get back from West Virginia where, you know, I the seasons and the leaves were turning and it had some, it was warm the first couple of days and then it was chilly and rainy and I loved it. So I got to wear rain boots and I get home and there's several boxes waiting for me. And one of the boxes, I was like, this box is awfully light, like paper light. And I thought, what the heck? So I went and I got myself together and opened the box the next day because I wanted to see it in daylight. 
and I open one side of it and I see leaves in there. And I didn't even look at the address on the box. I just opened the box and I said, oh my God, somebody sent me like leaves and feathers and it smelled like outdoors. And of course there was this beautiful scroll in there. And of course it was from Dr. Kevin. And I was so excited. Of course I told everybody I put it on Facebook. I got all of these glass vases out that I haven't used and put the leaves in with the feathers and the lighting on the other side. So you, it's so beautiful. All these vases filled with all these leaves straight from New Hampshire. I am thrilled and I thank you for thinking of me. That was a huge surprise, especially after 1-800 flowers because I thought it was them. I was like, of all the things they have, they actually sent me a box of leaves. <laughs> <laughs> ah, well, you know, because you mentioned about how you miss the fall and you miss the leaves and, you know, and you grab leaves wherever you can. So I took a special walk in the woods I walk in all the time. And I literally stopped and said, OK, who here is for rain? And I and they and and I made sure that they were a diversity of colors and then a couple of feathers volunteered. So I'm I'm pretty like about 45 minutes wandering through the woods just to so which one of you wants to go to rain? Which is rain's leaf? <laughs> <laughs> well, I loved it. And I was really, I mean, that's one of my favorite things. And I went and grabbed some pine cones out the back because they have all these pine trees. And I just kind of tucked everything. So it's very fall in our new living room. I can't wait until we get the fireplace going. Of course, it's like 80 degrees in the daytime, right? So um probably won't light the fireplace up until January, maybe even for Christmas, but it, you know, I can still smell them because what I did was spray them with a little water, like misted and put another glass top over them. And that allows them to still stay kind of damp without decomposing. They're absolutely beautiful. And I thank you. I, I appreciate that so much. Well, our fireplace has been lit several times at this point. And it's stocked and ready to go for a match right now. So. Wow. No, we're doing that tonight. I think it's going to be like 55 tonight. So we're going to have a fire outside once we finish up here. I just finished dinner outside. Did you? With a fire? No, no. What would you but... have? Don't say lobster. Well, I'm not in Maine. Oh, you're in Arizona. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. How's the temperature there? It's it's about the same. It was nice, yeah. it, you know. Um, and uh, no, we had salmon. That's fine. I'll take that because <laughs> I can get that. When do you go back? Uh, Tuesday. Okay. Like one, one more day here. Okay, I'm coming up there as soon as this. If the winter is over, I have a gig, um, on the East Coast, and I will be pretty close to both of you at that point. So, are we going to get visits? Yeah, you will definitely get visits. Um, we'll see how the gig goes. I'm waiting for some dates. I say over winter, but they might choose winter. I don't know yet. So we shall see. Well, if you come oh, if you come during the winter, you can come hang out in the hot tub. Then we'll have a nice, well, you don't drink. I was going to say we can have a nice brandy in front of the fireplace. You know, just just have a really, truly New England special time that's my kind of winter evening for sure so, so what's up with you mr elmer um sorry i'm just checking something um uh nicholas i'm, I'm here in phoenix to build a gaming desktop with a 12 year old nicholas and i was over there tonight we had dinner because his wi-fi card came in and so we were installing that and we need to download the uh, the driver, and it's Dream Wi-Fi is the web address it had on it. And when he was trying to go to it, it's set up for him to not get to certain sites. And so it didn't allow him to go to the site, and it sent a request. He's like, can you approve the request? And I couldn't. And he happens to know the password to my phone. So he grabs my phone and approves the request, and it wasn't the right site, and I didn't pay attention to it. But I get an email I'm just now seeing. And it's the, 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 the website he went to was dreamwife.com. <laughs> Not dreamwifi.com. It's like, no wonder why it wasn't working. Well, well, well. well I guess I never too young to start shopping. <laughs> right, well, apparently. And then there's that. 
So, um, but it's been good, been crazy, because with the move, um, I got the apartment. Um, did, did we talk about that last time? I think we did, right? No. No, you said you were moving. Um, so, on the weekend, I chose to go. Um, I'm hearing an echo again. Anybody else? No, now it's gone. Yep. I'm hearing you echoing. I heard you echoing, but you're yeah, not Yeah, it's now. gone. I, I don't know what's doing it. Uh, it's gone now. I went, um, so on the weekend, I decided to, to start looking for a place. On Monday, I applied for a place. On Wednesday, they said, you've got it, and you can move in on Friday. Oh, wow. So, literally, we were, Andy and I were renting a truck at 4 p.m. Friday afternoon. Because I was so already booked for the week, I was at 2 o'clock was the first time I started to pack when I was moving two hours later. <laughs> so, um, right. fun. Yeah, so I'm still not in the, everything's not in there. Luckily, it's Andy's, so like I didn't have to get everything out, you know, but I've been doing slow mm-hmm. trips, you know, and then I was coming out here, you know, uh, I right. was in my apartment for a week and then coming out here. So yeah, it's just been a little crazy that way. Um, but uh, we had a second meeting today for the Valerie's movie, um, the story. So I should have the treatment and the um, character Bible for that script um, before Thanksgiving. Um, and hopefully we'll have the rest of the funds to pay the lawyer so we can start going out and hitting up the, the fat cats for their investments on in the film. Uh, no pun intended, Morgana. <laughs> yeah, she just turned your back. and I, think I know, it's nothing like looking in a cat's butthole. That's exactly what this show is about. Right, right in it. <laughs> she was like, you're calling me fat? <laughs> that is my off jam. my list. Cat butthole live. Click. So is your new, um, with the treatment and everything, is this something I'm going to be involved in now that you've got your new penthouse suite and all that <laughs> stuff going on? You know, it, it's, we actually, at, the question from the writer was actually asked today, um, were there any people of color that were part of this group? Or in, or in you know, in the, in the, and it was 1975 May, and they're like, no. They're like, there wasn't anybody. The only person of color they had involved with anything happened to be a legislature he was a representative, I think, in the state, and he was his first um, uh, session as uh, as a representative. He actually was supporting the gay rights bills that these people were trying to get sponsored, um, and he was a person of color. And he was his philosophy was, you know, he goes the way I see it: if you're a Democrat and you're, you know, for the rights of one one group, you're for the rights of all the groups. There is no like. I'm only for the rights of people of color, you know, no, you got, you know, gay rights, trans rights, Native American rights. I'm like, if you, if you want to fight for rights, you need to fight for everyone's rights. So that's why he just wanted to, to support the bill. And he got reelected. They were like, you know, 1975, you know, when you're, uh, for the first, he was the first uh, person of color elected to the state legislature ever. So he had, you know, that, you know, pressure under him and just, and to go out in his first year to actually support a very unpopular bill, <laughs> uh, which got passed, but yeah, they thought maybe they, you know people wouldn't reelect him, but they did. So the moral well, of the story is I'm playing a man. I think it's perfect. <laughs> I, yeah, I was going to say, let's have a little gender bender here. I have confidence that Rain can 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 do this. I mean, if she can be Homer Hickman's mother, I think she can right. be a right. man. Yeah. Dr. I mean, Kevin. What, do you, yeah. what have you been doing? I mean, you've heard me and Elmer, and you're always doing something great. And every time I see you, you have a new haircut and a new goatee. What, and I, a I'm new sure different pair of glasses on. I know it. Hey, you know? So, well, for buying a house on, the, on, on, on any of the weeks that I bought a house, I had the distinct, um, interesting pleasure to spend more money than I have ever spent in a week in my life last week. <laughs> now I'm definitely coming to see what it is you have. Well, I, I, I have been stringing along my technology until Mercury went direct. And so the week kicked off with um, doing over $5,000 worth of technology. Uh, a new iPad Pro. I, I've ordered a, the, a brand new Mac with, you know, like the M1 new screaming fast Mac that they have. Um, I'm still waiting for that to come in. I needed to get a new iWatch, Apple Watch, not iWatch, Apple Watch. Uh, I got a pencil to go with a pad. 
and it, so by the time I got all the accessories and everything, I dropped that. And then uh, later in the week, um, and we can't go into many details. It's a it's a thing that that Elmer and I are involved with. I committed out because we bought a business, and so okay. I've committed out um, another big chunk of change. And then on Saturday, I went and bought a car. Yes, and what'd you get? A Lamborghini? No, no. I got a Mercedes Benz 2018 Cabriolet convertible in this just incredibly beautiful electric blue. Yes, that's White my eyes for you today. Congratulations. So, and then I had to buy an iPhone and I bought it on that day. So I, I tipped the 100,000 mark in a week. And I was like, <sighs> and then I thought, and I looked and I was like, but I can afford it. So what's the problem? Ta-da. And, and, and worth and, it. I mean, and everything made, I mean, everything made sense. I mean, you know, this is, you know, when we can talk about it more a little bit, um, this is a perfect addition to what I'm already doing and it's going to create more streams of income. And, uh, it's, uh, I mean, I'm really excited about it, but it was just like signing contract after check, after contract, after check. I was like, ah. I but it was fun. It was Good. fun. That's exciting all the way like around. This. And it's interesting because I, I, I spent the day in church all the way until just like I got home about 45 minutes before the show because uh, I went to a, a, a Taze service at seven o'clock tonight, which is an hour that's done almost exclusively in song uh, interlaced with meditation and a single reading. They've, they've been doing these. It was created in 1940. Um, as a uh, to bring religions together and they decided that song and now you have places all over the world that do these it's just really beautiful and they've never been to one but I went to one of those tonight and I went to uh, and I was at church earlier today and there was this discussion about how hopeless people are feeling and how weighed down people are feeling um, and, you know, the, as the pandemic still doesn't seem to quite go and, you know, and all of this stupid infighting and all of the, you know, and the climate change and all of this stuff. And so I'm in a group and everyone's saying why they lost hope. And it and, and it came to me and I was like, I have great hope. I am so excited about the future. I have such great hope right now. I said, necessity is the mother of invention. We're going to have a huge blowout of things that we never would have invented if we didn't need to. And we're, and I see what the young people are doing to step up, to push back. And we've had a lot of ugliness that have had to come up. And there is a lot of need for atonement and recognition. I said, but in all of history, every time you have a dark age, you have a renaissance that follows it. Mm -hmm. And I said, so I, I, am in, I have great hope right now, and I know things will get better, but one of the things I wanted to share with you guys, and then we probably need to bring the guest in, is there's a difference between hope tied to expectations mm -hmm. and hope that is an act of faith. Because hope with expectations means that you are trying to control and that's never going to work in your favor. But when you have hope with faith, then that is the, I have faith. Humanity is resilient. We will, the best will come to the service. We will move forward. Maybe it will not be as fast. We will have to be more inventive. And we are going to have to to take responsibility for the past that we've tried to hide in this country and minimize and whitewash. And I said, but 
my my hope is all faith based. I don't know how mm-hmm. it's going to look, so I have no expectations. So I right. cannot be disappointed, but I just know right. we will be on a trajectory of the world becoming better. So I agree. That that was in, you know, but and it's important that we all remember we have the ability to be hope, to spread hope, and to help find help people find hope because hope and joy and laughter and happiness are the most healing things in the world, up and above any kind of medicine, any kind of traditional or alternative process. Nothing heals like laughter and hope and, you know, and embracing life. And I think this is a perfect opportunity for you, Rain, to introduce tonight's guest. I think you're right. You know, I can't remember who reached out to who or whom, but someone told me that patient Lee Tomlinson is an awesome dude. So I went in, look at the TED Talk. You know what? Someone has to be an advocate for their own health benefits, especially cancer survivors and these insurance companies and medical. And patient Lee Tomlinson, the first thing I saw when I turned on the TED Talks is that this guy is making his point in a hospital gown. And I thought, that's our guy. <laughs> and ladies and gentlemen in Morgana, I would like to introduce you to the wonderful patient Lee Tomlinson, who's doing this from his car in some wayward 7-Eleven. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Elmer, Dr. K, it's uh, it's a delight to be here. Even if I'm in the parking lot of a 7-Eleven in the middle of nowhere on my way back to Palm Springs, it's a pleasure. Uh-oh, did we lose him? We lose him. I can't hear him at all. It might be my fault. I was trying to fix, I was trying to fix his... Uh, frozen. Maybe... It, oh, no, he's there. It's just his mic's not working. Help, help. Patient Lee needs some needs some emergency medical treatment. I know, you're patient Lee waiting. I think he's back. Is he back? Can you can you all Yeah. Can you hear me? You can yeah. hear you now. I I haven't moved an inch. Um it's like Elmer's I said, fault. It's, uh, it's great to be here and I have to say, Oh, well, I, I knew it had to be somebody's. I was going to blame him. But uh, <laughs> nonetheless, that was the best intro and the best preview. Uh, I loved hearing about all of your projects and your passions and your performances. Um, I'm delighted to be here. And I, again, given my health uh, history, for me, it's a pleasure to be anywhere. Every day above ground is a very good day for me. So well, thank you for having me. I'm going to sick Dr. Kevin on you because I've read your story and he usually goes into places that most of us don't go. So, Dr. Kevin, he's all yours. So, what I'm hearing is, and what I'm hearing is that you no longer go through tunnels, travel in subways, that you have a paranoia of going anywhere (laughs) underground because you're not going to come back up. Is that what I heard you say? Yes. That is pretty much it, actually. Yes. Yes. Uh, given, no, again, no, uh, I don't want to go to a subway. I might not come back. And it's true. I mean, listen, I've been hospitalized in six different countries. I've broken over a dozen bones, uh, some as many as three times. I've had my thumb pulled off, toes amputated, all from an addiction to adrenaline. So trust me when I tell you, dark places are not for me. <laughs> so um, you were busy opening up a studio and involved in all sorts of yes. projects. And you had been, you had received the honor, if I remember, of being a, a picked for the amateur uh, senior citizens 
uh, golfing in California, and you ended up well, with... Well, take out the citizens part, just the seniors. Seniors. Okay, seniors. Uh, so that was... So seniors was not yes. a reference to, to the age. Okay. I'm sorry. I, I assumed it was referring to the age group. Um, but... Uh, uh, Anita says hi. I think that's uh, a rain connection. So... Um, Good. You get what many people would consider was a terminal diagnosis, went through a dark tunnel, and then emerged out as a, what it sounds like a, a cross between a motivational speaker and a patient advocate. Is, is, that, a, is that a good description or, or synopsis? Well, it, what happened was, is at the very end of my cancer treatment, which, uh, again, um, you know, could well have been terminal and the odds were not in my favor. I was hospitalized uh, with a life-threatening infection at the site of my port. So now I was dying of two different things. And during that hospitalization, I was subjected to um, not treatment, but care that was so inhumane, so insensitive, so unkind, um, so lacking in simple human kindness that it crushed my will to fight and live. And I decided to end my life. I had enough fentanyl patches. I only had to put them on and uh, go to sleep. And my family would uh, receive uh, from the studio uh, a Keenan life insurance policy worth millions and millions of dollars. Worth way more than I was, but it was insurance. And I would have done that, except the day after I got out of that hospital from hell, um, a very famous doctor friend of mine, a fellow named Dr. Dean Adele, uh, came to visit. And I had to find out how many patches to put on. Because if I put too many on, um, it's suicide and you can't, you don't get the policy. So I told him all the misery I had experienced. And he did some amazing things. First of all, he personally apologized for what he said was the lack of compassion I had not gotten in that hospital. And he said it is absolutely inexcusable. And he said, you're not the only one. And he said, but you know, if I can make a suggestion, rather than doing yourself in, how about you fight and live? And if you're successful, how about you spend the rest of your life trying to return the rapidly disappearing presence of the healing power of compassion to where it ought to be at the forefront of modern medicine? And in that moment, his kindness and caring for me renewed my will to fight and live, and it's why I'm alive today. So that simple fact of kindness, compassion, has now been scientifically proven to be immensely scientifically proven, no airy-fairy anything, but an amazing healing power that unfortunately is disappearing from modern medicine. So it's my mission to see what I can do through keynote speeches, through documentary series, through uh, my new book, Compassion Heals, to see if I can inspire healthcare professionals to be the compassionate beings they were when they got into medicine, not the too often burned out human beings that they turn out to be after a few years in healthcare. So that's what I'm up to, and that's why. So let me ask you this question, because I, I both experienced through um, my father being in the hospital, and then I, a couple of years ago, being in the hospital and almost dying, um, those lack of care experiences. In fact, I checked myself out. I said, I'm, I'm leaving. They had to wheel me out in a chair. I said, but I'm leaving before you kill me. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, I, I forced them to. I was like, no, I'm not staying. You almost killed me three times this week. And so, and it was, 
you know, from a, a lack of paying attention. It was from a lack. It was from understaffing. It was from a lack of communication. Um, but I, I think that we have to go back and find out why and when, when and why did this happen? And I would like your, I mean, yeah, you know, so I'm going to make one other comment. Um, And then I want your response to the question of why do you think we've ended up here and uh, is just talking to the people on the front line is, is, is it, is it going to help them in the broken system? Like there are limitations of how many times you can beat somebody and expect them to still be smiling and caring. So I think we have some systemic issues that go that, that have created the burnout that also need to be addressed. But, you know, science proves and disproves a lot of things. And science oftentimes makes statements which 10 years later they go oops and they make a big deal. Uh, on this show, Airy Fairy is as legitimate as science. I am a medical intuitive, and I have helped many people that science and doctors said would be dead, and they've been lo- alive for decades later. So, having science prove it, science got around to proving prayer a thousand years after everybody else, Airy Fairy, knew that it worked. So, not a big sales pitch here. Caring is an instinctive human desire like hugs and compassion and love and empathy that um, science really doesn't understand Mm -hmm. because it never goes from its head to its heart. So now I want to ask you, where, how, what, what did you discover of why we ended up there? Well, there's a lot of points that you made. Um, first of all, um, there's a book out called Compassionomics. And uh, in fact, two research scientists set out to determine whether or not compassion was actually medically beneficial or not. And they spent two and a half years studying decades and decades and decades and thousands of studies and went into that research uh, of the opinion that being compassionate with a patient was a nice thing if you happen to feel like it, but that there was little measurable medical benefits. Two and a half years later, um, they came out of that work and determined that without doubt, the science and the testing of it proves that compassion isn't being compassionate with a patient is an absolute necessity for the best outcome for the patients in the shortest period of time with the least amount of pain and suffering and the best long-term health. And the most miraculous part of all of those, uh, the summary of all of those studies, is that the provider of those kind, compassionate acts has the exact same benefits. So the truth of the matter is, is we are innately compassionate. We are genetically formed to be compassionate. And let's define our words. Empathy is, again, the first step towards compassion. Empathy is a willingness to feel the pain of another. And there are people that are stone hard cold because of all their own pain and are unwilling to feel the pain of others. Compassion comes in Compassion is starting with empathy, I feel your pain, accompanied by 
an intense desire to do whatever you can do to relieve the pain of another. Benefits are undeniably necessary for the best outcomes for the patient and the provider. So all of the pain that we're experiencing in the world now is because we've been so separated. We've not had the connection that we need to have genetically to feel close, to feel connected. And that literally over a long period of time, like we've experienced over COVID, makes us crazy. We are communal beings. What allowed us to survive the ice age was a simple fact that one fellow, one woman in a, in a, in a caveman outfit turned to a bunch of others and said, um, I noticed last night when you went to sleep, a Tyrannosaurus ate one of, your, one of your kids. How about this? You go to sleep tonight and I'll look after you. And maybe when I go to sleep, you'll look after me. It was the forming of those communities that kept us alive. And that's what's missing in the world today. And that's why you see the anger and the frustration and all of that vitriol. We need to be the empathetic beings we were born as. We need to then look at the pain of others and follow our natural instincts to help relieve that pain if we want them to feel better and if we want to feel better we must do that so let me ask you let me ask you this question uh and excuse me i just had one pair of airpods die and I hate when that happens. Very, very. Nope. Barely. Teeny bit. Now we can't hear you at all. Oh, there you go. Oh, could you hear me now? Yeah. Okay. So. Yep. Gotcha. So, patiently. Let me ask you this question. Sir. You had a epiphany about what compassion does did for you you discovered that it has life-saving properties personally and that it even helps facilitate the healing my question to you is if science hadn't got around to measure it would you not be talking about it or would you take your personal experience and your inner knowing and wisdom and been just as a pa- just as passionate as you are now well the answer is you know it's hard to imagine not being what's happened to me so I, i'd be purely guessing uh what i do know is that that single itty bitty five minute conversation from a very kind person who clearly cared deeply about me, had a massive effect on my will to live. And that's been supported since the beginning of time. So, you know, if if I just simply read about it but hadn't experienced it, maybe, maybe not. No, that's not my question. I beg your pardon. My question is, because The same thing happened with prayer. For thousands of years, people knew that sincere prayer would help. Science got around 20 years ago to prove that people getting prayed for actually have showed benefit. Science did all sorts of studies. But all the people that for thousands of years knew that it worked continued to pray. What I'm saying is having your experience and you knowing, you knowing if the compassion study hadn't been done yet, does that mean you would not be doing what you are doing now? I mean, would your knowing have been enough for you still to go out well, and say compassion makes a difference? 
Well, I had to understand what compassion was to be able to, to understand the experience I had with my friend and understand the impact of it. He was the one who said, Lee, you didn't experience the compassion you deserved in a medical What is this compassion thing? What is he talking about? So I began to study it. And, you know, it's the concept of it has been around since the beginning of time. So it really was an eye-opening experience for me to experience his kindness, for him to give it a name. And I knew what it did to me. Then I began to look into it and see where it applied, where it had, where it had gone wrong. You know, the simple realities of how it works in our society when it's present and when it's not. So would I have been, you know, the answer is I don't know because I started studying it immediately and from both anecdotal stories to my own story to scientific stories. And all of them added up to the exact same thing, which is compassion heals, period, end of story. It heals Absolutely. the receiver of your kindness, and it heals you. You know, what is it? Um, I, I forget who said it, but they said, if you want to make someone happy, be kind to them. If you want to be happy, be kind to them. Mm-hmm. And that's true. That's true. Mm-hmm. Kindness will Absolutely. solve. I mean, it sounds so ridiculous. Literally. Kindness will solve every problem on the face of the planet. It is a healing balm. End of story. There is so, no doubt about it. The question so, oh, absolutely. is how do we inspire people to be more kind than they are now? Well, and again, so I'm going to go back to my other question, which is, when and why do you think we lost it? I mean, I, I have some thoughts, but I want to hear what, I mean, you've researched it, you've looked at it, you you got the blessing from the scientific community on it. Where do you see, why did it go wrong? Why well, did the healing profession lose its ability to be compassionate? Because it used to be very compassionate in traditional medicine. Mm-hmm. Nurses were considered angels. Well, let's let's be clear. Uh oh, did we lose him? He froze. He's frozen. He's broke up. That's my job. (laughs) Enormously. Can you hear me? Uh, You you now we can, but you had frozen after he asked the question. We seem to be okay. So, um, I forgot the question because I was so worried about the sound. Ask the question again. I beg your pardon. Answer. I just can't remember the question. Okay. Traditional medicine used to be far more compassionate. There was oh. a time when compassion was part of Western medicine. Oh, I know. Mm-hmm. I got it. So, where and why do you think we lost it? And it, and okay, so let me go back. (laughs) They went back to frozen? (laughs) What? Uh, I haven't lost it for two reasons. The vast majority. Oh, Oh, come on. Can you hear me? You froze again as soon as you started answering the As soon as you started answering the question, you froze again. <laughs> Somebody doesn't want him to answer that question is what's happening here. All right. You can hear me now? It's a good answer. Yep. <laughs> you keep freezing now after a few words. It's the healthcare care we have a rapidly declining presence of compassion in healthcare. One, most healthcare professionals dedicated to the craft 
of heathen that they much of them and never are compassionate with themselves. They literally give and give and give until they burn out out of the goodness of their hearts. So that doesn't make them bad people. That just makes them people who need to love themselves before they love others and stay healthy enough to do so. The second thing is, is that too much of healthcare today focuses on profit and not people. On both sides of the equations, they don't take good enough care of their doctors, their nurses, their anesthesia. They don't take good more and more and more until the weight of all of that crushes those people. So when you combine a personality type, a people-pleasing personality type, which a huge amount of healthcare professionals identify with, and a system that very often, not always, very often values um, profit over people, both their patients and the providers, you've got burnout, which is 60% pre-COVID and now is much higher. And the problem with that is having experienced burnout myself before I was diagnosed, is that when you're burned out, one of the defenses is you literally numb yourself emotionally because you're in such pain. Everybody does that. Well, the problem is when you're in healthcare and you're numb emotionally because you're burned out, you are incapable of being compassionate. So whether it's a lack of self-care or a system that beats you up or a combination of the two, when our healthcare professionals are burned out, which the majority of them are or will be, they are incapable of providing us with what's mandatory for the best outcomes, and that is their heart, their compassion. And that's why it is such an epidemic, a crisis in healthcare, the growing lack of compassion in everyday practice. Well, and I'm going to, I, I want to. I build a little bit to, on what you said here, Lee, because, you know, I always remember this story Please. that my father told me when Papa was in the hospital and he was in a teaching hospital and the doctor came in with all of these students around him, didn't say anything to my father, pulled the sheet aside, said, well, we're going to cut him here and cut him here and cut him here. His chance of survival are about 30%, but if we don't do it, he's going to be dead, blah, blah, blah. And then turned around and walked out with all of these students. And Papa reached out to the last person and the person said, leaned down and said, yes. And Papa said, um, I take it this was not the, the class on bedside manner. <laughs> and, oh, you know, no kidding. And the, and the guy had the ability to look embarrassed because it was clearly so awful. But mm -hmm. we do not insist yes. that self-care, because if you're going to be in a situation where you're going to be around people that are, you know, terminal, that you're going to be around places where you have people that have degenerative diseases, that are having a lot of pain, that you're dealing not only with the pain of the patient, but the pain of the family, you need better training on how to take mm -hmm. care of yourself to start with. So it starts with that there is not a class on bedside manner. There's, there's, there isn't anything to prepare these people about how do you do that without losing yourself in the process. And then on the other side, we have people making healthcare decisions who don't know jack shit about actual patient care. Insurance mm -hmm. companies, these these assembly line doctor's visits, I gotta get somebody in. I mean, like, 
we yes. have given all of the power yes. of health care away to the accountants. And we all know how heartless accountants are, don't we, Rain? Yes, oh, we do. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I forgot. <laughs> I think Elmer fell asleep. I didn't even get a facial recognition from him on that one. <laughs> Elmer does accounting. Private joke. Uh, <laughs> So, but I agree with you. I, 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 I do not disagree with anything you're saying. So tell us about. I know you can, don't. Can you, um, you know, I, yeah. Well, I mean, look, we all know what kindness is. You know, the thing is, we can point fingers at everybody else and say, well, you know, they're not this and they're not that. Look, I've given over. 200 plus keynotes around the world to every imaginable category of medical professional. And the truth is, every one of them, not every one of them, but everyone that I've had a personal conversation with has a heart the size of Nebraska. I mean, they're, 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 they just love what they do and they want to be of service to people and end their pain. But here's the thing. My job, since I was lucky enough to have experienced compassion from my friend, is to advocate with government, with insurance companies, with hospital groups, with physician groups, nursing groups, to remind them that they must take care of themselves. And until they do, and if they don't, They'll kill themselves, they'll kill their patients, they'll kill their families because that's what burnout does. And we can point fingers until we die, but the way we can improve the quality of life on the planet is committing in our everyday lives and look for opportunities to do that. Everything is so fast and everything is going on. And, you know, when was the last time you were truly kind with someone? And what's interesting is people say, well, just like doctors and nurses, I don't have time to be compassionate with my patients. Really? Well, let me tell you a little story. In one of my keynotes, I have a video of a firefight, uh, uh, Army uh, Marine firefight in Fallujah. This uh, squadron was surrounded and uh, literally they were being killed. I mean, guys were dropping everywhere. A fellow gets shot in the neck, a soldier gets shot, the medic jumps up without a helmet, grabs the guy, runs across the sand, plops him down in the medevac to get him out of there, hopefully save his life. But before he lets that guy go, he gives him a kiss on the forehead. Now, that guy is not going to remember. The, the patient is not going to remember the stitches, the surgery, the rehab. No. What he's going to remember for the rest of his life and what may give him the power to fight and live is that little bit of kindness on his forehead. That's how long kindness takes. There's a story about a guy who was, uh, wrote a suicide note and said, I'm gonna walk to the bridge and jump off unless one person smiles at me on my walk. Nobody smiled at him. How long would it have taken for you to smile at a stranger? That's the power of compassion. So if we wanna see a better world, rather than pointing the finger at, oh, you're there this and they're that, all of which is true, and we can try to change it, but we individually need to put more kindness into the world on purpose because it does heal and it may even save a life or two, whether you're in healthcare or not. So when well, I give my talks at the very end of it, I give a challenge and say, look, you got to do something or it's all talk. I want you to be more compassionate than you were the day before you walked into this meeting. And I want you to commit to what we call the Compassion Heals Challenge. Seven days, one kind act a day for seven days. And I promise you, you'll feel better. And the truth is, we have tens of thousands of people take it. 
but they're taking the action. They feel better, and the person who received that kindness does as well. I, I love the challenge. Talk about it. I love the challenge. I think the challenge is great. Um, I also, beside the podcast, I also have a, a radio show. I've had for almost sixteen years. We do one oh. show a month called Thoughtful Thursday for wow. people that are doing thoughtful things in the world to share. And I'm I'm always challenging people do something kind. Cool. Be kind to somebody. Go out there. And you heard at the beginning when right. before we brought you on when I was talking today at church about hope and people were feeling hopeless, one of my challenges I said, I go out every day and see who can I make smile. Who can I, I mean, like, no waiter or waitress ever waits on me that I don't make sure I get their name, that I don't use it every time, that I don't thank them and make sure that they feel that they were seen as a person. I mean, but it is, it is absolutely a yes. way yes. to live your life that it's so easy to be kind. Even if on Saturday I was like the 23rd person in line for the post office, uh, to get a package out, I had to get out. But when I got up there, the first thing I said to the guy, I'm like, it's almost over. You're doing a great job. And he's, oh, thank God. And he chatted with me for a couple of minutes. And I know he only had 20 minutes left, but his day right. was better. And I, I felt good knowing his day was better. So I'm all about this. I think that's fabulous. In fact, I should have you that's on the radio show. That's what I'm show. saying. Yeah. Um, Yes, you should have him on the radio show. And it. It, 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 sounds, it, it sounds. Sorry, sorry. No, it's no. You're so not. Simple. You're great. And it is. And it is. And it is simple. It is called simple human kindness. The only reason I brought science. Understand, I was born. I mean, I was born into a family that was very um, spiritual. Um, I went to college thinking I might be uh, a priest. Uh, fortunately for the world, I wasn't. But <laughs> this experience I had on my deathbed transformed my life. Now I see that I have value simply by being kind. And that's my mission in life, is to be as much as I can be to improve the lives of others, and like you said, Doc, improve my life. When do I feel better than when I know I've made a material difference in somebody's life? Nothing, nothing is more rewarding than that to me. It feeds my heart as much as it does their heart and soul, and that is the meaning of life. So you took however many years, 50 years, 55 years, whatever, you took some amount of time to grow and mature into your ministry. You may not have become a priest, but you have a Correct. ministry of kindness now. You have a ministry Correct. of to go out there and so you the world benefited that you waited until your spiritual side could meet your wise side to go out and make this happen correct we're and that's uh, why one of that's why one of my talks is the blessings of cancer without cancer i would never have discovered this so I am lucky to have had cancer. I don't recommend it, but it was a blessing. I don't either. And um, we are no, um, just, we are just about out of time. So um, thank you, Lee, for joining us. Nice. I want to just quickly mention. Want to quickly mention um, next week. My pleasure. Uh, next show we have um, Mark J. Parker. He's my guest, so I will introduce him next week. Um, he's in the film industry, has his own podcast um, about films. And Kevin, you got a question? 
Two weeks. Two weeks. Not next week. Two weeks. Oh, well, next show. Next show. Next show. <laughs> yeah, but you're next saying show. next week. Someone's going to tell Elmer Lyon. And right. they're going to be texting me, talking about, like, they're me now. Four people have texted and asked if they could have patiently, if we can have him back on for the new year, because they said they want, they have some questions and maybe they can get on Dr. Kevin's show. I don't know who this person is, but they would like to be. They would like to hear more about him and see him on the show again. They said he's he's inspired them, and, we, and they also said we all inspire them. So, yeah, definitely. Well, thank you. Lee, I'm all yours. About having you on, I'll I'll reach out about having you um, on my radio show, and it's a live call-in show. So, can't wait. Any of if any of you also can can go. Like the Dr. Kevin show on Facebook if you don't already, and you'll get a posting when we're going to have Patient Leon, and you can call in and ask him your questions directly there um, as well as having okay. him back here. I'm going to play our outro now. Don't leave, Patient Lee. Rain's going to call you. I'm not going anywhere. Listening to the Laughing, Loving, and the Live show. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the show, Please share it with others, post about it on social media, or support us with Buy Me A Coffee. To catch all of the latest from Laughing, Loving, and Alive, you can follow us on Instagram at Laughing, Loving, and Alive, and on Facebook at Laughing, Loving, and Alive. Thanks again, and see you next time. <laughs>